Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. Good morning, good morning. It is the 12th of July, 2022. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. If you haven't visited us recently online, please do so at myfaithradio.com. We'd love to hear your Faith Radio story, the difference this ministry makes in your life. Um, And we'd also love to share with you some of the resources that we have gathered. We'd like to redistribute them to you this month. It is um, a great time during the summer for us to give things away. So we're giving away bundles of books this summer, and we'd love for you to bundle up this summer with us. So check that out at MyFaithRadio.com. Where in the Word are you today? I am in Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in faithfulness. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Where in the word are you today? Because the news is going to be full of all kinds of distressing signals and signs and trend notes. And we're going to talk about some of those. But in the midst of all of that, we're going to recognize that the Lord reigns. There is a God in heaven. And he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. I am going to ascribe to the Lord all glory do his name. Yeah, we live in a world um, where nations rise and fall. But we live in the kingdom, ultimately, of a sovereign God over it all. So uh, let's be people who are in the word of God so that as the world presses in on us with all of its stresses and strains, we, we can come at it filled with the very knowledge and the fullness of the glory of the Lord. Where in the word are you today? <laughs> I'm in Psalm 96. Next up, we're going to talk with Jenny Lynn Schmidt. She is a European correspondent for World News Group. She's going to bring us up to speed on what's happening with 
um, Ukrainian refugees and um, and ways in which uh, people are looking at the challenges that we face today in the world and how the word of God can be brought to bear. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Glad to have back with us today, Jenny Lind Schmidt. You can find her as a European correspondent with World News Group, and you know them, WNG.org. Jenny, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Good morning. Thanks. So I know you are you are in ongoing um, relationship with and therefore conversations with folks who are um, enduring what is now the fifth month of war in Ukraine, and you're in touch with refugees and people serving them. So just love for you to bring us up to speed. Yeah, well, for some of the people I know personally, it's really trying to figure out, okay, do I keep waiting till I can go back to Ukraine? Um, they have connections with Ukraine, their family, um, ongoing, that the ongoing family separations is a huge story. But as they're in different countries, as they're in um, Germany, in France, there's the ones that I know um, the best personally, how do, does life carry on? You can, you can live on hold for two weeks. You can't live on hold for five months or you can try to, but that is not a healthy place to be. And so trying to figure out how to uh, invest in local life um, while still maintaining a care for, for Ukraine or, and some of the women I know, they have started to look for jobs further afield. One has moved to Canada. She found a great job in her field in Canada. Um, but there's this really kind of limbo that a lot are in. How much do I invest in where I am? How much do I invest in learning the language? Um, and so that is an ongoing struggle that I think I see and have heard about across Europe as Ukrainians are waiting to see if they can go home. How long is it going to be until this conflict is resolved? Um, so, yeah, that's mm. that's ongoing. You have a piece posted at World News Group, sitting together with people in pain, helping war-torn Ukrainians cope with the emotional effects of war. I am imagining that um, the longer this goes on, the more prevalent these emotional um, challenges are going to be and the mental health concerns. So I know that there are those responding to all of that as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, Um I had the privilege of speaking with a woman, Arena Arut. Arena Arut has put together something called the Rezom Initiative, and Rezom means together in Ukrainian. And the goal is to provide free counseling um, and mental health support to those affected by the Ukrainian war. And so whether that's, um, yeah, people spread all over, whether refugees that have come out of Ukraine or are still in Ukraine, but to provide those resources and that for free. And so she's put together a network um, 
to provide that. And what I think is, is really fantastic is that it's looking forward to not the ways that we can help today or next week or the week after next, but looking really far forward to next year, to the next three years, what are people going to need? Um, and to be that, that support and to mm. be together with people that are suffering. And her goal is really like, okay, we can, we can't, there are parts of the traumatic situation we can't change. We don't know how long that's going to go on, but we can change mm-hmm. the fact whether people feel alone or not. And so mm-hmm. the goal is to be with people, to help them walk and cope in the current situation, whatever that is. Jenny, that's so good. Hey, if you're listening right now and you've ever been in a place of pain, you know what a great comfort it is to simply have someone come and sit with you. So that is um, the first level of responding to um, the pain of brothers and sisters from Ukraine who are coping with the emotional effects of what is now the fifth month of an ongoing war with Russia. We're going to continue our conversation with Jenny Lynn Schmidt. She's a European correspondent for World News Group in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation now with Jenny Lynn Schmidt from World News Group. She's a European correspondent um, with World. Uh, Jenny, when we are talking about other things going on in Europe, different perspective for people of faith, um, the the unbelief that we see a rising tide of here in the United States, that's a, that's a tide that has already swelled um, in Europe. And so when Christians get together and they talk about leadership and they talk about the future of ministry, they have a lot of conversations about how to respond to unbelief. I found your um, your piece, um, Treating Disease at Its Source, Challenging Europe's Trajectory of Unbelief. I found that to be a really fascinating piece. Can you talk a little bit with us about what it, what it looks like or what it means to treat unbe- unbelief as if it's a disease? Right. I loved this analogy as well. And I heard it at something called the European Leadership Forum. Um, which I wrote about in the article, and that's a gathering of Christian leaders from all over Europe, but particularly supporting and focusing on uh, leaders in the former Eastern European countries, so countries that were part of the Soviet bloc um, back in the day, whether uh, like Ukraine that was really in there or um, uh, Bulgaria, Romania, um, and because those leaders there, well, there was a huge effort after the uh, communism fell for missions organizations from the United States, from Europe, from uh, Western countries to bring the gospel there. And they, that, they've been successful. And there are churches and there are Christian leaders there, but they most, for the most part, they're kind of on their own. There's not a lot of them. And so these leaders are really isolated and discouraged often. And so the 
the part of the idea of how do you treat um, unbelief at its source is you provide an alternative, but then you also want to strengthen those who are bringing the, the hope of the gospel. And so, and to provide, to buy, provide a network so that that pastor in Bulgaria, who's kind of on his own, who's faithfully preaching the word of God, but that he can be attached to a network of brothers and sisters across Europe, around the world that are praying for him, um, that are that care for his family and providing resources. Um, many of those pastors and leaders, they don't have resources in their own language. And so mm. even just to read them in English um, and uh, to have uh, counseling resources, um, pastoral resources, theological resources, that is a huge, huge help. Things that we kind of tend to take for granted often, I think in the United States, that just even access to really, really good quality books, even just really good quality study Bibles is, is um, just a wonderful way to encourage these brothers and sisters. And then the conference that I was, I had the privilege of attending was a, a way to gather everybody in one place. And there is power um, in just worshiping together we all know that, but to have that many people in the room together, praising the Lord at one point, um, we're all praising the Lord one song, but everyone singing in their own language. And that is so powerful. It's a little taste of heaven. And they, um, I think most believers have had that experience at some point. And so to see that for these brothers and sisters that have that, and then to go back to their country and to take that encouragement with them. That's a really powerful experience. And I think that is one way, at least, that we can combat um, combat that unbelief, that, um, that need. And I think Europeans on the whole, they will say that, oh, yeah, yeah, we've, uh, we know about the church. We know what Christianity. And they don't want to hear it because they think they know everything. But they don't. What they have is this shell of traditional form and function of religion, but without the power of the gospel. And so um, I am so encouraged to see the pastors and the evangelists and the um, apologists who are there and, and being faithful, but they need our help. They need our support um, from those who have resources. They need our prayer. Um, and so that is how we here in the States can, can combat that. Um, by praying for our brothers and sisters who are on the front lines there. That's so, that is so helpful. I think that being reminded that the body of Christ is a global reality um, and that mm -hmm. the language of faith is every language under heaven, um, that, that God is getting his glory and knitting people into the body of Christ um, in places that, you know, where I will certainly never set foot, um, but where the gospel goes forth through pastors and evangelists and apologists and missionaries and technology um, in ways that, I mean, prior generations couldn't have even ever imagined. And so it is encouraging. I think that, Jenny, we can get discouraged when we, you know, when we look at the numbers, we look at the polling data related to Christianity in Western Europe and here in the United States. But when we when we take the time to look at the polling numbers globally and what God is doing to fan the flame um, of the, the kingdom growth and its advance uh, in other parts of the world, it is extraordinary. Um, and so thank you for that reminder today as well. 
Hey, anything quickly on, um, we're always curious, like, what what's Europe's reaction to things here in the United States? Um, how uh, what what are some of your observations in terms of uh, what reactions you have seen or maybe haven't seen in terms of the Supreme Court's um, ruling in the Dobbs case, which overturned Roe v. Wade here in the United States? Right. Well, it's big headlines in Europe as well. Um, and actually, just on this past Thursday, the uh, European Union Parliament passed a resolution uh, to include, well, it, it's a resolution calling for the inclusion of the language that everyone has a right to a safe and legal abortion, to add that phrase to the Charter of Fundamental Rights. Um, and so there's this push to say, oh, wow, what is going on in America? This all our rights are being taken away. The headlines are like they are in the States, often misleading and talk about a constitutional right to abortion. Well, that's, that doesn't exist. That never existed. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and, but you have the same kind of information, a little bit of panic. uh, But I also see this undercurrent of among the pro-life groups without glee or anything like that, but just saying, oh, wow, change can happen. Let's keep on doing what we're doing with a positive message, positive messaging and care and show that we care for women. We care for the children and women, their moms and the families. And that's why I saw I see some really positive things happening in Europe. They've kind of looked at the U.S. pro-life movement and see, okay, this has been done really well. This we would like to do a little bit differently. So they're taking kind of the lessons of what they see here, but and like taking faith and holding on for the long haul. Um, and, but there's an uphill battle. You think, okay, because these governments are just like, all right, let's jump on this. And I think France wants to enshrine it in the constitution, the right to an abortion. Um, but I take comfort that even in the, in the European parliament vote, um, that, that for that resolution, it was 324 for this resolution that calls for that language, but 155 against and 38 abstain. So there are people that are questioning that. You know, I don't know where their particular stance on pro-life issues is, but there are people that are questioning the wisdom of putting that kind of language in an all-encompassing. And you say, times change, things change. Um, as we have in the States, new technology shows us that there is life right away there's a heartbeat only a few weeks after conception and that those are really important advancements so i would say overall uh it kind of in a lot of way mirrors what's going on in the states where there's a lot of among progressive moves there's a lot of panic and oh no the sky is falling the sky is falling but people that are in it for the long haul just kind of taking a deep breath okay wow change can happen but we need to keep on keeping on and we need to have continue to have a message that's not so much anti-something as pro-something else. Pro-life, how do we be pro-life in all matters? How do we care for life from the beginning of its natural conception to natural end? And so, um, yeah, it's a big kerfuffle, but I would say um, under, under the undercurrents, under all the big headlines are encouraging, at least to me. Yeah, I found very encouraging um, what you shared about the growth of the pro-life movement um, across Europe and 
the advent of some of these Europe-wide pro-life organizations, um, efforts that are, you know, they're the they are religious at their root, but they are expressing themselves in ways that an increasingly secular culture is able to hear. Um, they're providing all kinds of tools in the area of, let's say, bioethics, um, conversations that people need to be equipped to have um, because not everybody is speaking Christian language and not everyone is, uh, you know, is buying a pro-life ethic that comes from a, a religious worldview. So I thought that was all really, really helpful. Jenny, um, as always, thank you so much for joining us. We really we appreciate what you're doing and the global insight. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. And I so appreciate what you guys are doing here at Faith Radio. So thank you again for having me. Thank you. That's Jenny Lynn Schmidt. You can find her at World News Group, WNG.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. couple of headlines here. Um, one out of the Wall Street Journal, one in six calls to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline end without reaching a counselor. 1.5 million calls to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline um, were abandoned before they were ever answered. So that is from 2016 to 2021. More than 9 million calls to the hotline um, were received. About seven and a half million of those were answered, but 1.5 million people who called the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline between 2016 and 2021 um, never got through to a counselor. That is a problem. Yes, um, we recognize that the network was obviously stretched beyond its capacity, but we also um, want people to be able to reach a counselor when they are in crisis. So um, if you're not aware, the three-digit number now that you can use for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is just 988. So it used to be a 10-digit number. Now you just need to uh, text or call 988. Um, and I want to encourage people um, to put that in your phone so that you're prepared to share it with others. Maybe on your social media, share that with others. Um I'm guessing that not everybody knows that the 988 network is now live and um, operational. Um, the suicide rate in the United States increased by 30% from uh, the year 2000 to the year 2020. And um, although rates have declined since their peak in 2018, suicides among children and young adults have risen um, dramatically. And so we want to be sure that that population gets the news, gets the information that the 988 suicide prevention hotline is now up and running. So you just need to call or text 988 um, if you are in crisis and in need. So just want to encourage us to be people who are pro-life at every stage of life. And one of the ways that we can be advocates of life are to be sharing with people who are in deepest distress. So just to encourage you on that point um, this morning. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio.
Chances are your local church is sending out mission teams this summer, this fall, uh, over the winter to places around the world and maybe even communities here in the United States um, where you will be serving or members of your congregation will be serving vulnerable children. So we thought maybe it was a good time to be reminded of best practices in relationship to um, to those experiences when we go on short-term mission trips. And so we have invited Ellie Oswald to join us. She's the executive director of the Faith in Action Initiative. Ellie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. So first of all, tell us um, what what is the uh, Faith to Action Initiative? Yes, Faith to Action is actually a coalition of Christian organizations that have come together to support Christians and churches around this country in supporting best practices in global orphan care. And really, we're emphasizing the importance of family for every child. Okay, so let's talk about the status of, uh, of orphans around the world. Um, give us a little bit of a, of a window into orphans and vulnerable children worldwide. Well, we know that approximately five to eight million children uh, live in orphanages around the world. And research has shown over and over again over the past couple of decades that children grow best in the love and care of families. And um, family is really essential um, source of belonging, of identity, of emotional, spiritual support that's vital for um, the development of children. And while orphanages and children's homes, of course, provide for the physical needs like food and water and shelter, they can't provide for all of those developmental needs. And, um, you know, even though best orphanages can't do that. So we are recognizing there's this growing movement of Christians and um, organizations around the world who are changing the way that we care for children. Um, because we know research shows it, of course, neurological research and, and sociological research shows this information, but we, scripture tells us as well, you know, we see in scripture, not only the calling to care for the orphan, but also the calling to care for the widow, you know, the, um, the mothers who are struggling to care for their children. And um, we see in Psalms that God sets the lonely in families and in creation, family is the structure that God has created to care for these children. So um, it's important that we're we're considering how can we do better? Because, you know, I think all of us also feel it intuitively that children belong in families. When you think about what would you want for your own child if you couldn't care for them? Um, most people would say they'd want, you know, a family member to come along and take care of them. If not a family member, a friend or someone from church, um, uh, never does anyone say, you know, I'd want my child to be placed in an orphanage. Um, so it's time that we really take seriously our calling to do this work and reconsider how we can um, shift our support to supporting families. Okay, so when we're talking about um, the way that our churches engage particularly internationally um, on this topic. And we think about trips that we've seen pictures of in the past and when people come back and they tell us, you know, what they did and who they met. Um, there's often, you know, uh, 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 the old-fashioned slideshow now, right? It's a, it's a photo mm -hmm. montage. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, and I also want to talk about the things that people say to um, vulnerable children and orphans when they are, um, present with them 
and then and then those those things don't actually come to pass. And so can we just talk about some of the risks with short term missions in relationship to vulnerable and orphaned children around the world? Yes. And I think this is so important because a recent study from the Barna group found about 20% of people who go on mission trips visit an orphanage on the trip. So it's a hugely popular activity. One of the most common things people do on a trip. So it's important that we consider, you know, what these trips are doing, how they affect children, both positively and negatively, and how, how they can be used to support children to find or stay in families. So it's, I've, I'm, a, I'm a former missions pastor. I know firsthand that it is with the very best intention that people join mission trips to orphanages and children's homes. But there are real risks associated with these trips that I don't think people just, they just don't know about. And if we don't know about the risks, we can't, we can't do better. So two risks that I think um, are important for us to recognize is one, volunteering in orphanages can actually contribute negatively to a child's attachment to um, the the attachment challenges. So these children have already experienced the trauma of being separated from their family. They're already living with that pain. And then we have a volunteer that comes in, right, and showers them with love and affection, but unfortunately leaves. And, um, you know, the child needs that, but then it leaves. And so in some orphanages, Um, there's multiple trips coming throughout the year. So it's this revolving door of people coming in, showering them with love and then leaving and coming in back and forth in and out. And what we've found is it's just, it's not good for these kids. Um, You know, often will people will talk about the experience. Maybe some of your listeners have had this where they walk into an orphanage, lock eyes with some child there and the rest of the week, you know, that child's on their lap or hugging their leg or grabbing their arm. And that feels incredibly good. And honestly, I think instinctually we're built to, to yearn for that connection with a child, but we aren't the ones who should be making that connection because we're going to leave. And, and actually that kind of um, connection, that behavior that a child shows is a huge red flag for, uh, for those of us working in child protection. Cause what it means is that child doesn't actually have the bonds and attachments that are vital for their development. So, so um, that's one real risk that is really Put, putting them. Well, let's just go ahead and close that loop, putting them at much greater risk for being exploited. That's very true. You know, um, another risk is that um, these children really were weakening their the protection of these children because we're normalizing easy access to vulnerable mm-hmm. kids. And if you're going on a trip, I'm sure that you always have the best attentions. But by by um, this kind of system that's been created around mission trips, it leaves children vulnerable to to others who don't have good intentions. And to mm-hmm. be honest. It's um, children's homes and orphanages have become a target for predators, for child predators. And our mission trips, unfortunately, make it easy for them for them to slip in. Um, There's also some kind of broader impacts that it's unless you understand what's the context, we can't really realize. But mission trips and just support for orphanages in general perpetuates kind of a reliance in communities on these facilities um, where children stay longer and, and more children come into orphanages rather than finding families or staying in families. And um, the context for that really is what we mentioned before is that over the last decades, you know, there's been this shift to what we call family-based care. So that means supporting to um, working to strengthen families so that they, that orphanages um, 
don't become an option because contrary to popular belief, most children in orphanages actually have parents. Um, almost all of them have other family members. Um, the underlying reason children are in orphanages isn't because they're orphans, it's poverty. So poor families are struggling to care for children and these children end up in orphanages. And there's a lot of good work to shift that and to change that and see children, you know, not only um, returning to their own families, but also finding alternative families through foster care and adoption in their own countries and abroad. So there's good stuff happening, but unfortunately, mission trips and volunteering are really focused on this orphanage model. And so they're backing up a model of care for kids that isn't working as well for children as we would hope. Um, so it's something it's unfortunate because mission trips can be used instead to bolster this family care movement. All right. So we're going to um, we're going to direct everybody to faith to action dot O-R-G, um, faith to T-O, action, dot O-R-G. Um, as you scroll down the screen, one of the things you're going to read is um, is what Ellie just shared. Most children in orphanages are there because of poverty, not orphanhood. The vast majority of children that we call orphans have a surviving family or extended family member who would care for them um, if they only had the means to do so. So strengthening families is the best way to meet the needs of orphans and other vulnerable Children, We're going to continue our conversation about how we can um, better engage with and support ministries on the front line of this around the world. Ellie Oswald is going to uh, continue our conversation. She is the executive director of Faith to Action. You can find Ellie and the resources we're discussing today at faithtoaction.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day? We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. All right, we're continuing our conversation with Ellie Oswald. She's the executive director of Faith to Action Initiative. You can find what we're talking about today and resources related to best practices for churches looking to effectively serve vulnerable children around the world at faithtoaction.org. Um, Ellie, we have um, we have a listener who has texted in who came up through the foster care and um, ultimately adoption here in um, the United States, grew up uh, in and out of orphanages and foster care, had a different experience than um, than the one that you are talking about globally. And so, uh, you know, I want to be sensitive to the fact that everybody has their own experience and relationship to this. Um, and we're thankful when it when it works. We're thankful when um, when foster care and adoption or even uh, the orphanage system works 
we also recognize that it doesn't work for very, very many kids and particularly internationally, which is our emphasis and focus here. For those of you here in the United States looking for um, pathways for your church to engage with um, with the challenges that children are facing here in the United States, let me recommend again, Together for Good, tfgood.org, um, where you can reconnect um, with uh, with resources, you know, for things happening here in the United States. This conversation with Ellie is really focused globally, um, recognizing that lots of churches seek to engage internationally with um, with communities where there are vulnerable and children who are described as orphans, but they are orphaned only because their families are too poor to um, to raise them in their home. And this conversation is about how to change that, how to help families raise their own kids. So let's talk about that, Ellie. Let's talk about um, some of the things you all have learned and the resources available for those who want to engage. Yeah, I think it's important um, to recognize that there is a better way and that, um, like your listener mentioned, uh, we have a lot of models around the world that we can pull from. It's kind of interesting, you know, uh, U.S. Christians are huge supporters of global orphan care, um, you know, around the world. And um, yet we almost take different um, lenses when we look at those children compared to the children in our own country. And so often we kind of think through the fact that in the 1950s, the U.S. totally turned away from large group care, large institutions for children, yet globally we continue to support them. So it's a bit of a double standard, but um, the good news is we have through the UK, Europe, um, the US learned some lessons that we can apply globally. And the most important lesson is that every child deserves a um, a safe and loving family to grow up in. And um, our mission trips, our funding, our support is really needed and can have a huge impact, will have a huge impact on children if we can kind of shift our efforts to care for orphans, um, not end them, but shift them to supporting family strengthening and empowering communities to care well for their children. I heard an African pastor um, tell a group once, he said, you help empower our communities and our communities will take care of our orphans. And I just thought that was beautiful. Oh, that is beautiful. Um, Ellie, uh, when I when I look at the list of things that you all have um, in terms of models to support vulnerable children and families at faith2action.org. I'm wondering wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, how a church might move into a positive partnership globally. Like, how functionally does that happen? Because, you know, we're kind of practical people. Yeah. Yeah. And it depends on how a church is engaged with orphan care. Um, If it is mission trips, like we've been talking about this morning, um, there are some standards that you can start to kind of compare to what you're doing. So the biggest and first and foremost, um, most important standard is, are your mission trips focused on strengthening families and empowering communities um, so that they can care well for their orphaned and vulnerable children? Um, Children don't need to be in orphanages. This is actually a solvable problem. We're seeing success in this shift all over the world. And um, 
considering how your mission trips are doing that is probably the most common way. I know as a missions pastor, um, when I came into that um, work, I, our youth group would go um, work in an orphanage every single year. And so we had to look at that partnership and consider, is that the best way to utilize our resources? The same with funding and support, considering where are you giving your money? Um, and if you do have a strong relationship with an orphanage, we are not saying it's time to just yank that money away. Um, it is time to ask some questions and learn a little bit. It might be that the group that you're supporting actually is doing family-based care. That is very often that people think it's only an orphanage, and then they find out there's all this family strengthening and foster care work going on. And just asking, can I can I put my money behind that? Because I know that um, you guys are pursuing something there. And it might be sometimes leading to dis- some tough discussions. Fortunately, there are all, all sorts of resources and tools to help you have that discussion. That's why Faith to Action exists. We exist, we actually, Faith to Action, again, is a coalition, so we don't actually do any programming on the ground. Our only focus is to educate and mobilize Christians to do their best in supporting family-based care. So we have tools to on how to figure out a good partner. We have a awesome tool to help an orphanage that says, you know what, I know we can do a bit better. I see this. I see our kids growing up, aging out of the orphanage and struggling in life because that's that's what the research is finding. That's what people are experiencing. How can we do better? There's um, We have a guidance manual, an online training, a coach who can help an orphanage transition and make this, um, this shift to supporting um, families and finding family care alternatives like foster care and adoption. Um, so there are um, a lot of ways to get behind this work, but at the end of the day, it's about pursuing God's best for these children and, and continuing to grow and improve the work that we're supporting on the ground for kids. So lots of kids around the world um, who are supported individually through all kinds of ministries that enable us here in the United States to connect with uh, a child globally. Um, we're, we're connected with one child here at Faith Radio. And um, and so, you know, through my support of um, of of my sweet girl, Erasmus, um, you know, I'm enabling her to continue to live with her parents, to go to school, um, at, for her to have medical care and actually, you know, for that to be extended to other members of her family from time to time. And so when we talk about the way that we as individual Christians and then our congregations support vulnerable children around the world, enabling them to stay in their own family. Um, there are all kinds of child sponsorship programs that enable us to do that from right here. I am very likely never going to travel to where Erasmus lives. I'm very likely until we get to heaven, not going to meet her face to face. But I feel very intimately connected with what's happening in her life that, you know, I know that she's dressed and ready for school. I know that school is paid for and she has the supplies that she needs. I know um, that her birthday is celebrated like those those things I know. And all those things are happening in the context of her own family um, because her family is vulnerable and unable to care for her in those ways and and their other children as well. So um, there are lots of ways in which Christians are engaged. I love that you are supporting churches um, in really strategically thinking through where we go, why we go, what we do when we go, 
what we do when we come home, what we promise while we're there. I mean, on and on and on and on and on. The resource is really exceptional. Um, and I would love for everybody listening to go and download it and share it with the missions pastor at your church um, or your uh, the team of people at your church that that talks about and decides um, what are the mission partnerships that your church has and how do your people directly engage. The the resource is Short-Term Missions, Guidance to Support Orphans and Vulnerable Children. You can find it at faith2action.org. Ellie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for talking with me. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Oftentimes, the conversations that we are having uh, here strike a chord deeply. Um, and so I just want to lift up Ethan. Ethan is a part of our um, listening community right now. Um, and Ethan is sharing some of his story with me on the text line. Remember, you can always text me, 877-933-2484. Um, You know, Ethan's story is a story of having been in and out of orphanages and foster homes um, and really, really valuing, um, uh, valuing the visits that were made by Christians um, over the course of of time. Uh, He says, I was placed in over 60, six zero. um, I was placed over 60 times in and out of foster homes in Minnesota because of Um, the abuse that I had endured. I imagine the state didn't know what to do with me. And I started out in an orphanage in Illinois, but went back and forth um, and and from birth to age five. You know, my heart, um, Ethan, you know, I've already communicated with you on the text line, but um, I just want everybody to be praying, not only for Ethan, but for little kids like Ethan. Um, I'm so thankful that Ethan is here. Ethan, we love you. Um, thank you for sharing this part of your story. I'm wondering what happened when you were five. I wonder if you have a forever family. I'm thankful that we are your brothers and sisters in Christ um, and that you're here. I'm so thankful for that. Um, I'm thankful for the mercy of God new every morning and for his ability to knit us together into a family of faith in Jesus Christ through whom we are adopted, each and every one of us, orphaned no more. Um, So thank you. Thank you for being here this morning. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. We're going to dig around in what's going on in the United States of America. Who are we the people? What do we think about ourselves? And what's our future look like together as one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all? Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.